0: You are suffering, and I am glad. That's not me talking, that's Jesus. I am quoting Jesus. I would not say that to someone, but that is exactly what Jesus said when his friend Lazarus was dying, and Mary and Martha said, Jesus, you need to move a little more quickly. John 11:14 and 15 says then Jesus or then said Jesus unto them plainly Lazarus is dead and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe I'm quoting the King James version right there but you'll see it also in other versions so I titled the podcast you are suffering And I am glad. Sometimes God is provocative in how He responds to us. And the degree of provocation or outrage from us is proportional to our understanding of Him and His good desires for us. Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas. You're listening to Your Daily Drive, and I am so glad that you are here If you have a question for me, you're welcome to ask it. Go to our public forums and ask away. It would be a privilege to serve you. All you need is access to the Internet, a username and password, and it is all yours. You have a 24-7 life coaching team that is waiting for you. Fingers on the laptop keys ready to answer your questions. So you jump on our forums and ask. There is no cost, no charge if you are a supporting member of our site thank you so much for supporting us we have a private forum for you i would ask that you get on the sub forum that says talk directly to rick and his team and it will just be us responding to you and that would be fantastic thank you so much for your support if you want to read this podcast you can do that it's titled, You Are Suffering, and I am glad, and let me say it one more time. And that's not me. I'm quoting Jesus. I was chugging along in John's gospel a few years ago, and I came to John 11 where Mary and Martha were struggling with the sickness of their brother, Lazarus, and, and they should be struggling. I would struggle too. What did they do? They did what you would do. They brought their concern to Jesus. And he said that he was glad for their brother's illness. This is a fascinating portion, portion of Scripture, and it is one of my all-time favorite quotes from the Savior. It's really two sentences. It's the end of John 14 and the beginning of, of John 15, connected with the conjunction and, and if you read the end of 14 and the beginning of 15, it reads just like this in the King James Bible, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad. For years, I have thought about making that quote a bumper sticker. I'm really intrigued by it. In 35-plus years of driving a vehicle, well, maybe 40-plus years of driving a vehicle. I have never put a bumper sticker on my car. I don't personally like things on my car. It's just the way that I am. But I think I would make an an exception for this one. Lazarus is dead, and I am glad. It is intriguing to me and radically God-centered. Only Jesus— could live in such untethered freedom from the fear of others to make such a bold statement. Think about that for just a moment. We can be, we are, tethered to people that it controls us. And and we're not able to hear God the way that we could hear God if we were untethered from people's opinions, we would live in a different kind of freedom. But Jesus lived in that perfect freedom because he was absolutely untethered from any fear of others. He was tethered vertically to God alone. That is one of my all-time prayers, to be so tethered to my father that I am free to be the kind of person that I should be to other people. And because Jesus was so free to be the kind of person that he should be, he was able to give the perfect counsel. Now, to us, it is provocative; It could even sound insensitive. But we really have to dig a little deeper in what's happening here. I'm going to paraphrase Jesus. It could sound something like this. Because what you think of me does not control me. I'm dialed into my Father, which enables me to know what to say at every moment. I know what you need, and I know you're going to struggle with what needs to happen right now. But I love you so much that I'm going to give you the perfect words at this moment. And thus he did. Lazarus is dead, and I am glad. The context of the story was the death of Lazarus. He wasn't dead at this point, but he was about to die, and he did. Mary and Martha came to Jesus, requesting that he go to another town to take a look at their brother and possibly help him. Lazarus was sick. Jesus lingered a bit too long where he was, according to Mary and Martha, and their brother did die. If God had been more proactive, they surmised, this horrible death would not have occurred. And Martha shared that fact with her Lord. Here's 1121. She said, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Let me ask you a few questions to think about as you assess the needs of your marriage, your family, your friends, your church. Have you ever wondered about the lateness or slowness of God? Even worse, have you decided to take matters into your own hands rather than patiently hanging with the Savior? Have your desires and hopes and dreams obscured your understanding of the more prominent picture or the more significant need? Can you see the bigger picture and the essential need, or are your plans what matter the most? Those of us who are proactive doers, the non-lazy people, we would be prone to jump in and get it done, even though wisdom and discretion may be wiser. Are you tempted to Press the things you have learned and applied to your life onto others who don't know what you know. The things that you have learned in 35 or 40 years of living, do you expect others to be where you are now while seeing and experiencing God the way you see and experience Him now? I have to remind myself of this often. God regenerated me when I was 25. For the first 25 years, he was remarkably patient with me, loving me, caring for me, guiding me to a place of repentance. Think about this. Two and a half decades before God regenerated me, God was patient with me. Sometimes I can forget the kindness of God in my life while placing unrealistic and undoable expectations on others. You know what we call that? It's self-righteousness. Self righteousness is what motivates a person to look down on others while expecting them to be like you. Sometimes God allows things to get their to get to their seemingly absolute worst before he breaks through to bring about the best. And at times, God has to bring us to an end of our resources, our ideas, plans, hopes, dreams, and schemes before he acts on our behalf. I am not saying that this is how he always operates. But I've seen it enough in my life to know that he does at times patiently allows me to come to an end of myself before he responds i think many parents need to learn this lesson they see their children doing this that and the other they are not walking in holiness they're not walking with the lord and god is not moving fast enough god is careful and methodical in how he works with his children He does not want us to work within our strength and our plans. When we work from our strengths and our plans, the temptation is stronger for us to heap the glory of the favorable outcome onto ourselves. But when we are at our wits end and we have evaluated every course to exhaustion and the desired result still has not come, it is in these moments that God is glad as the text suggests. This response is not because God is cruel or unkind. God wants us to have faith in Him and what He can do rather than trusting in ourselves. The independent, proactive, get-it-done kind of guy needs to be brought to a place of weakness so he can experience God's strength through his inability this is exactly what we learn in 2 Corinthians twelve ten, where God gave Paul a thorn in the flesh and said, I will never, ever, never remove this thorn from you. It will be a permanent fixture in your life until you meet Jesus. Paul got it. He accepted it. He understood it. And he said in verse 10, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And as I tell people often, that last sentence right there in 1210 is the secret to life, because when you are at your weakness weakest, you are strong as you are appropriate in the grace of God in your life. And in such a case, God receives all of the glory which he will not give to others. God does not want anyone competing against him when it comes to securing glory. And as you know, we can be subtle. A synonym for subtle is sneaky. When it comes to glory robbing, do you perceive the signs that manifest in your life when you're not trusting God? Here are a few that tell me when I do not believe the Lord. These things come out of me when I'm not trusting, and these are the indicators that help me to know that I am not trusting the Lord. I'm not going to give you my entire list because it would be too long. But anger, frustration, criticism, hopelessness, gossip, impatience. There are more, but you get the idea with this small sampling of the things that happen in my heart when I believe God is not working fast enough on my behalf if god was able to plan your salvation which you see as early as genesis 3:15 he said i will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel the beginning of the gospel message coming into view And he brings it to pass at the perfect time in Galatians 4.4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. If God was able to plan your salvation, don't you think he can take care of any other problem you have? Let me ask it another way. If God can resolve the most significant challenge that you will ever have, Unbelief, lack of regeneration, not being born again, not being a Christian, your alienation from him, don't you think he can solve your minor problems? The problem with Lazarus comes down to a good question. What is good, and who will I trust to bring about good? Mary and Martha saw good as Jesus coming to the rescue on their timetable Jesus saw good according to his timetable. Good, according to Mary and Martha, was life. Good, according to the Savior, was death. Lazarus is dead, and I am glad, so said Jesus. Peter and the others had the same problem. They saw good as Jesus becoming a king and taking over and running the country. Jesus saw good as dying on a cross. The title of this podcast is, You Are Suffering, and I Am Glad. It is a paraphrase from a quote that comes right out of the Bible, out of the mouth of Jesus, His words In John chapter 11, verses 14 and 15, here's your call to action. What good outcome are you working on today? I think part of this problem is because we can be so earthly-minded, and our tent stakes can be so deep into this sod as not being eternally-minded, that we have a good that is more earthbound than heavenly-bound but what good outcome are you working on today? Question number two, should the good you desire not come to pass, can you rest in God? Now, I'm sure in some of the simpler things in life, you probably can't rest in God. But what about that more challenging thing? Mary and Martha were confronted with a real significant, one of the biggest problems that they would ever meet in their lives, And that problem was the death of someone that they loved very much. Should the good you desire not come to pass, can you rest in God? Number three, rest does not mean killing your dreams. It does not mean killing your desires necessarily. Mary and Martha got what they wanted. It did not come according to the way they envisioned and as I was saying, the disciples had a similar problem with Jesus. They wanted a king. They got a king in the future, but not the way they expected. So my question is, can you rest? And, and as you are resting, it doesn't mean resignation or giving up on the thing that you desire. It may mean that you can have that thing, but it's just not going to come on your timetable according to your plans and your expectations. Number four, how comfortable are you trusting God when he does not answer your questions immediately? Maybe another way of asking that is how comfortable are you trusting God when he doesn't answer your questions the way you want him to answer them? God can be provocative, but not for provocation's sake. He's not trying to tempt us. He's not trying to make us feel bad, but he wants to uproot us from this earthly earthly thinking. He wants us to see the bigger picture and to understand the world and life and relationships from a God-centered, eternal-centered perspective. Sometimes we just can't have what we want, but that doesn't mean that God is not working a greater good and this is the intent though sometimes we struggle with Romans 8:28 that God is working good. And that's exactly what he did in Mary and Martha's life even though it wasn't fast enough and it wasn't according to what they had hoped. If you struggle with any of this, if you're struggling with something that's going on in your life, your relationships, maybe your relationship with the Lord, we all have experienced different disappointments along the way because we live in a fallen world. We live, in a, we live among fallen people. You can't get through life without disappointment. It is absolutely impossible. And so if you're struggling in any way, may we serve you. May we help you. We would love to come alongside you As a new believer or a more mature believer, it doesn't matter where you are, or an unbeliever. You're just struggling with the whole Christian thing. We would love to help you and to answer your questions. It's what we do, and it would be a joy to serve you that way. Go to our public forums and ask your questions if you're not a supporting member. If you are a supporting member, go to our private forums. If you want to read more on suffering... We have a ton of articles on our website. There are three linked inside of this one. You are suffering and I am glad. That's the title of this article. And there are three other articles here and you can do a deep dive if you want to. Either way, let us know how we can serve you and we will be there for you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net.